This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Brooks. You can feel confident wearing Brooks knowing they're running specialists with over 100 years experience in the footwear game. They test running insights and biomechanics with runners of every size, strength and experience to develop premium running products so you can run further, faster and happier. Welcome to episode number 212 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. All the usual stuff coming up this week, and we're going to be joined by our very special guest, Michael Royer. Joined us from Canberra, I think, Croaks, just around your area. Could have come around for tea or something, and then um, got him live on. What's going on in Canberra? Uh, not much, but he, yeah, he did actually come around for dinner the time that we had him on the show. Jeez, what did you cook him? Yeah. Uh, I think we had hamburgers. Hamburgers? Hamburgers? Yeah. I think we had hamburgers when Rogues came over, yeah. What, on the barbie? Yeah. Was it just or, like... Uh, or maybe, pe- maybe cooked in pizza. No, I think it was hamburgers or pizza. One of those two. Would have been years ago too, early days, wouldn't it? Yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, couple of years ago. Didn't expect us to go there that soon into the show, but welcome to you up there in Canberra, Bradley. How are you going? Thank you. Uh, yeah, going okay. Had a bit of an up and down week, um, body-wise, but, uh, you know, doing a fair bit of work, actually. I uh, didn't think I'd get too much work given there's only like five or six weeks left when kids came back. But, um, yeah, I've gone in pretty much every day that I've been available. Working full-time pretty much. Well, other than the days that I stay home and look after the kids, yeah. Jeez, I wonder good. how you pay the, pay the rent, pay the mortgage. Wouldn't know yourself, would you, working that hard? Oh, it's good. Well, no, it definitely puts the run, means that I don't run quite as much. But, uh, no, it's been good. I've been enjoying it knowing there's only a couple of weeks to go. So make, uh, make as much money as I can before the... Uh, the summer, yeah. I yeah. feel like the guys out of Point Break making one last bank robbery uh, just to fund the fund the summer of surfing. <laughs> you yeah, guys love summer. those references. <laughs> love Point Break. Uh, Moose down in Anglesey. How are you going? Welcome to this week's episode. Thank you. Going good. Going good. Yeah, you're running all right. Life's good. Everything's going okay. Yep, running okay. So got through another week. Um, part of like. Part of the new new guidelines for me was don't celebrate any workouts. You celebrate accumulation of training. So that's the second month I've got through on a training program, which is or the third month now maybe. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with how it's going. I like that. It's a good saying that one. Tell us about mm-hmm. what you did because only uh, I think one run was on Strava, so we we're not sure. Yeah, Monday I I just went for a mountain bike ride. I didn't run, and I 
my brakes are fucked and I fell off twice. So I was pretty, pretty pissed about that actually. Um, I took my bike in, get repaired, get the suspension serviced, like the forks. And I came back and, and then the brakes didn't work. And I've, a couple of times I've got in some real dicey spots with it. Uh, and this was lucky. I was going real slow on these ones, but I still fell off and it pissed like it. I get so mad when I fall off. <laughs> anyway, um, next morning I, I jogged. My back um, had sort of seized up again, so I just jogged on Tuesday morning, and I had real sore quads from the um, the elliptical thing that I got. We'll call it the zero runner. So the zero runner gave me real sore quads, and they were still too sore Tuesday to do a workout. So I ran 45 minutes just around town, just cruised. Uh, I did a Wednesday morning up in the late in in um, Ballarat at Lake Wenderee. I went round and I did a workout which was eight by two minutes on one minute jog, and this was my first uh, workout where like I was allowed to sort of push the heart rate a little bit, and it was I wasn't ready for it. It, it wasn't a great workout, so my ons the the quickest on i had was 310 and the slowest was 316 but the offs were all kind of just jogs or like five minutes down to 440 sort of thing uh all up it was about six and a well 6.5 k 335s 334 pace it, it wasn't it wasn't very good that's for sure and i was blowing up in each rep like i would get out in probably three 10 pace for maybe the first 90 seconds and then the last 90 sec then the last 30 seconds i would sort of i would blow up so yeah i wasn't ready for it i thought maybe it was a little too heavy for that sort of workout um maybe maybe i i should have done like 60 or 90 second efforts or maybe i only should have done six of those two minute reps would you um hold your form okay in that last 90 seconds or you start getting a bit sloppy like you know when you haven't ran that fast for a while yeah it's a bit like feel like a baby giraffe kind of thing Not really <laughs> smooth nah because because i was just focusing on form yeah, so okay. i was actually slowing down quite a bit that was one of the things that ali has sort of drummed into me she she's writing my program still and it's all about form during these ones so just feel mm-hmm. smooth have your stride going all right um doesn't really matter about the pace or anything, but don't turn it into a, sh- a shit fight at the end. Yeah. Which, which I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, which can happen in these yeah. early workouts. And I was by myself, which helps because I'm not trying to chase anyone, or it's not competitive. So if I can just slow down, do my do my own thing, then I can I can just focus on form that way. Anyway, uh, got it done, but wasn't feeling great about it. The next day, I, I ran Town Loop, which was 12.5K around Anglesey. Got over some hills. Ran with my my phone. So I actually stopped to take some photos, which was very weird for me because normally I'm like, why would you stop when you're in the middle of a run? But it was a nice day. It was super still. Everything was looking good. And often I wonder if, like, when people see this map, because this, like, say I... This is what I do. If I, if I'm looking at someone's map, I'm like, I wonder what those trails look like where, at the back of that town, or um, I wonder if that dirt that that road that he's on is dirt or asphalt. So I thought I'd just chuck some pics up. We did have a listener write in suggesting we do that. 
Really? Yeah. I was on one of my Strava comments a couple of weeks ago. Like, it'd be great to see some photos of what, like, this loop actually looks like because they see the map so often. And I'm yeah, just well, looking at yours now. This is, this is good. This is very scenic. Yeah. It's like they're postcards, isn't it? Well, this is – and I didn't even get the best one. So I started taking pics at, like, halfway. And, and the first bit's the best, like, over the ocean on the cliffs – um, I should have. I should, I'll get him. I'll get another one. I'll, I'll do it again another time. Should we have inside running photo week next well, week? One, we just try maybe, and upload as many photos of locations we run in. The listeners can do the same. Let's just flood Strava with like local photos of where our local running tracks. Mm, a bit too much well, running with your phone though. It could only happen yeah, for that's easy what days. I mean. oh, warm Why don't we just do cool one days. run a week? One run a week. You've got to put up, you've got to put up pics of your run to show people what your run looks like. Yeah, but you can't go just run some location that you hardly ever run just because you know the photos look good. It's got to be a local location yeah. that you see on Strava, which yours is. I've seen this loop at Anglesey. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is. I feel like this is very much against oh. Moose's rant about the rules of Strava last week. <laughs> so do I. Last, this is last, getting real into like Instagram last imports. Week, like, not last really week, worrying this, about running. Yeah, last week this suggestion would have been <laughs> cut down real quick. Yeah. No. <laughs> Stuff like just get out there. You reckon, like Rod Dix, you reckon Rod Dixon was taking photos back in the day when he was running around New Zealand? Dixon. Dixon. Yeah, exactly. Dixon wasn't taking photos. Maybe selfies. Yeah. I reckon a big selfie man, Dixon. <laughs> uh, All right, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll sort it out. Um, that afternoon, I think I jumped on the air. Zero runner for a bit, 20 minutes or so. Next morning, did a workout down in, out the front of my house, actually. So jogged from my house, just did 20 minutes, met Jordan and Ali. So again, locals down here. It's people that live here, it's easy to do workouts with in the mornings. Uh, I had a workout where I did 10 minutes, uh, what was it? 10 minutes at sub thresh, and then a minute jog, or heart rate goes below 150 so if it's if i get to like a minute and my heart rate's still too high just keep jogging till it drops and then seven minutes at around threshold then again the same a minute or go a bit longer if i need to and then four minutes over threshold so this this i felt really good actually like my back issue had come good and my body was feeling fresh and and i just i had a bit of pop in my step not that the workout was great or anything i just felt good and so i I just like positive about it so the first 10 minutes um i averaged 326 per k and this ran alongside the river and then up past the primary school and then it hooked back down on coal mine road so a dirt road that runs next to the old coal mine um the, the alcoa mine that's sort of shut down now and and then we waited jogged i hooked up back with ali i was with jordan for this that that first 10 minutes we hooked up back with ali and then the seven minutes i only dropped two seconds a k so i went to 324 but we went through some trails here so some sort of single singly track and um, it was just a bit of a slower section my heart rate was a fair bit higher though, so up to threshold. And then the last one was four minutes and, and I, I was allowed to get after it. So felt nice to be able to open the stride up and, 
and not have to keep an eye on the watch for your heart rate. So I ended up hitting the max heart rate I think I've ever had. So the, the actual last four minutes went flat for probably, well, I'd say two minutes, and then it went uphill for two minutes. And, and so I was going hard along the flat, and then to hit the hill, my heart rate just went up, and I hit like 187, I think, which is the highest heart rate I've, I've ever had running. And, and it felt good. Like I haven't had a real hard workout like that in a, for a while. But I, I average, I, I ran 307s on that, but yeah, a fair bit of uphill, and I was going for it. So in the end, a good workout. First one, I've, first good workout I've, I've had feeling good um, for quite a while. And my body came back the next day. I was able to run um, 45 minutes around Aries with those guys again and, and without any niggles, without any soreness. So I was happy with that. Then the next day we had the Run Strong uh, long run in Geelong, Bowen River. So I set up, or oh well, Ali, Ali and I set up tables, one at Landy Field and the other one on the other side of the river. Yeah, those who have run the Geelong half he would, would know the, sort of where I'm talking about. But there's a 10K loop all up, so we could put a table out at five. Everyone chuck their bottles in, a, a tub at the start line. Ali whipped around, put the table out. And we, we, everyone had different workouts. Some were running just an easy long run. Others had proper workouts. Others just jog, rocked up for a short jog. Um, but I, I, I got there early and did 10K early with Lockie Doak beforehand just so I could be on the bike because I had a few guys that were doing some solid workouts. And and I did 10K with the, loop, with the group, then jumped on the bike and um, rode with uh, the guys. So it was a good, it was a good morning. Um, Geelong turned it on. I ended up, I so that was like 20.6K, 422s, 90 minutes. So getting 90 minutes out two Sundays in a row is a big deal for me at the moment. Anyway, 82K for the week and bank it two workouts in a long run too yeah and and feeling good though you know it's it's the difference you can get 80k and you can have eight different injuries during the week <laughs> but mm. this one here i reckon i felt good for 90 percent of the runs that's what you want things are going in the right direction they're pretty much there now just kind of uh, fit don't you yeah. body's fine yeah it's just a few things to keep an eye on like my back thing is a little bit, uh, it's been becoming a little bit more frequent than I want. And the OP is always hanging around. It's just a few things I gotta keep keep an eye on. I'll probably jump up to like 90K this week and, and then maybe 100 the week after and then drop back down and just stay around here for another month or so. Yep, good. Croaks, what are you doing? Uh, so I had Monday off. Uh, off the back of my tib amp being a bit angry on the Sunday run. And then Tuesday it was starting to feel a fair bit better. Um, I did did the old uh, Voltaren like gel and wrapped wrapped some um, Glad wrap around it. And that seemed to settle down pretty well along with doing some stretching and massage. So then by Tuesday, like I probably could have gone and done a session with the group at the track, but um, I decided just to stay home and just run on the treadmill. So uh, I did 45 minutes, um, supposedly at 4.30 average for that. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, my treadmill, I feel like like 4.30s outside would have felt a hell of a lot easier than 4.30 average did on the uh, on the treadmill. But um, that's what I did on 
Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, I got out in the afternoon after work, just did an hour uh, at 4.08. Um, so, yeah, that felt pretty good. I guess I'd had, you know, a pretty light couple of days. Um, then Thursday, uh, just another 45 minutes at 4.17s. Um, and then Friday, I was umming and ahhing about doing a session. I got home from work and weather was pretty ordinary, so I decided to just jump on the treadmill and pretty much do what I did the week before, which was like a, a 9K tempo. Um, yeah, so I averaged like 3.30s for this, uh, 31 and a half minutes for 9K, average 165 heart rate. Um, yeah, like which I, I think three, I think, I don't know, three thirties outside, I think would have felt a lot easier than it did on the treadmill. But uh, yeah, I got it done. Body was, body was fine. And then Saturday I did an hour in the morning at four twenties. Uh, and then that afternoon, like my back um, just got really, really tight and sore. I was at the, um, I was at the shops with Lily and I had, I was, she was holding my hand and I had a basket mm. in the other and it was quite like it was quite heavy and like it, like my back was actually like sore while I was walking around the shops um and then like that night if I sort of bent if I I really couldn't bend forward um it really was just quite painful so I woke I was going to go meet I was going to go down to Dixon um at eight o'clock uh it's where a lot of people meet for a run just because I, I wanted some company but the way my back was on Saturday night I thought oh, I'll just I'll sleep in and I'll just see how it feels rather than get up early to get there and then, you know, not be able to run. So I got up and my back was still a bit crap and motivation wasn't that high given the weather. So I didn't run on Sunday at all. I just um, ate some finger buns, popped a few Voltaren and uh, had takeaway tie instead. So it was only 68K for me for the week, but um Back seems to have settled down after some anti-inflams. Uh, I, I managed to run 10k this afternoon without too many issues. So, um, yeah. So I guess essentially it was a, a down week, um, which was okay because I had a few weeks. Uh, you know, I think the three weeks previous to that were sort of 120s to 130s or mid 130s. So um, a down week won't hurt. And then back out to Stromlo tomorrow for a session. Mm. It's a bit mm. close to race day, though, isn't it? What it's race day? A bit of a worry. <laughs> a worry Melbourne, three weeks out, a bit of a Melbourne, deal like this. The old Melbourne, back, uh, the back in Melbourne, Moose. Entries, uh, entries are closed, I'll unfortunately. Get, I'll get you an entry. It's not uh, like we can definitely get you an entry. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a pretty ordinary week. I did, but I'll just, you know, it's funny, like, the mentality. Like, I don't know if you guys have this where – You've been running for so long that it's just ingrained that you go out and you run long on Sunday. And, like, I almost felt like I'd done something wrong by not going yeah. out yesterday. Um, it was a lot of discipline to do what you did. A lot of people well, push through and just do it. Yeah, but it's almost like this obsession, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like it's probably not healthy. It was probably the right thing to do, not run. But, like, you feel guilty when you don't run. Like, there's there's certainly some issues going on there. Like, oh, yeah, but mentally, uh, you think about it. Like, how old were you when you started running? Uh, like, 18? Yeah. So you've been running for more years that you've been alive than you haven't been running. So that is yeah. a normal thing that you run on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you start thinking, oh, you know, is this going to affect my fitness? And it's, it's not, not at all. Like missing one Sunday run is not going to matter. But you, I don't know, it's just so ingrained that you have to run long on a Sunday. And, um, yeah, even I didn't want to go out. So, like, I was, I was glad that I resisted the urge. 
Yeah, good work. I like well, I think, don't I think yourself the problem, around Mulligans. Well, I think the problem for me is, is I'm the type of person that I think that if I start to do it regularly, it'll like I, I won't be able to break the habit. It'll be like, oh yeah, no, this, that was quite enjoyable. I'm not going out for that long run on Sunday, so stuff it. I won't do it. <laughs> I won't do it next week either. Yeah, it's like when you when you stop when um the lockdown happened and you stopped doing workouts for like two weeks, mm. and you just stopped doing them for like ten weeks in the end or twelve yeah. weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's my, my that's probably my personality. It's sort of yeah. like I'm either all on or all off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a few mates like that. Like they start running for a few months, just love it. And then like six months later, they're doing like jiu-jitsu or something. Like, <laughs> like they chuck their runners out and they're like full on like, yeah, wrestling people and stuff. Yeah. So I, did, I just did body balance instead. Yeah. You'll be right into that. You'll be like, you'll move to Byron Bay and like yoga Are studio. Are you still doing stuff. that? No, I haven't. I probably should, though. You know what? I probably should. Like, you know, in terms of, I reckon as you get older, the mobility type stuff is way more important. Um, and, like, it probably helped my back, uh, yeah, if I went and did that stuff. Yeah. But it's not much fun. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? What's well, not as ingrained and stuff as well in you? Not really. I don't find it that relaxing. Oh. Yeah, uh, I'll whistle through this one, fellas. Monday, recovery day, off the back of um, the workout at the end of the long run last Sunday. So 12K in the morning at 4.28s, 7K in the afternoon at 4.32s. A lot can be said about uh, recovery in these super shoes as well. Like, yeah, I've been feeling like recovering so much better in the, well, all of them, but the Alpha Flies in particular that I've had on most weekends, just a good shoe to bounce back from. Bit more, bit more cushion, you reckon? I think so. A few more mills underfoot. Um, mm. Yeah, feeling. So Alphas, Alphas, your marathon shoe? Yeah, yep. Alphas bought a new pair off Moose, so I've been training in the um, the originals that we got given. And oh, the, the black, gr- black, the ones. black yellow, green. black, black and green. green. Yeah. yeah, I wish I um, I probably could wear them for a race day because the swag on them so much better. I like the yeah, but I've probably put oh maybe. Yeah, probably not that much. Maybe 150k, 200k. You not much, mate. But I I've, got nine, I've got nine. I got nine k on mine. Nine k. Yeah, you've used them once, haven't you? Yeah. Do you just not like them? Is that what? Is that the thing there? Me? Yeah. No, I loved them. The session I had in them was awesome. So I'm just like, well, save these. I oh my god. Oh, How man. can you feel like that but and then I've just a, put them away? Because I've got a pair of next percent that have that have got like 150k on them. But you love the Alpha Fly. They still make them. Yeah, but why not save them for then race day? Well, because you don't <laughs> race. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, save them for something you never do. Save you are, for... You're the bloke who's going to like die with millions of dollars and not spend it and just like live, live in, have a terrible existence just because you don't mm-hmm. want to spend your money. This is coming, this is coming from the, the guy that owns a shoe shop. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I love something so much, I'm not going to go. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that as a treat for myself. Yeah, but I, like, but I do like training in shoes that I don't. That I like having a difference between something that I train in and something that I race in. I've always felt that way. Like I'll, I'll definitely wear them like for training again. But like, why wear them when I've got like a pair of next percent with 80 k on them? I might as well keep using those. It's a different shoe, though. Hmm. Carry on, sorry Brady That's alright, I pulled up alright anyway fellas Tuesday, put out 14k at 4.26 in the morning 30 minutes in the afternoon, 4.28 Then Wednesday, went over to Shepparton's For some um, 400 metre reps over there So we had Nathan and Archie over there So it's good to have three of us on the track together 
Um, Shep, you're only allowed to use the lane fours, lane one, two, and three for competition only. So they've got gates. Talk us through that. Yeah, so they're trying to protect, not sure if it's the local athletics club trying to protect lane one, two, or three, or the little ass. What do you mean protect? Yeah, so competitions only, Moose. Can't use lane one, two, or three. What the fuck is an athletics track for if you're not allowed to run on it? Hey, I actually think as well. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. So they've got these gates that swing over lane one, two, and three, and you need a key to unlock them. I went through the council. I've got a booking to use the track to train on, um, but that's only to get myself into the athletics venue and to stay out of lane one, two, and three. So for 400 metre reps, it's not too bad because you just got to start in lane four. feels a bit weird being out in lane four. I get a bit of the head start on the stagger, but you stay in the lane the whole time. At least you can do 400 metre reps. But really, if you wanted to do something like a, a Deeks quarters or a um, you know even 800 metre reps or 600 metre reps, you just don't have the line markings. K reps, you got no chance, of course. So you'd have to do it as, um, yeah, I think, what did, what's lane four? Maybe 22 metres extra per lap. So you'd have to do like a weird distance or something like that. So, um, And if I was going to do that, I'd just do it on my Garmin on the road and not bother driving a Shepparton to do a track session. So, Doesn't yeah. this mean lane four is going to get worn out real well, quick? Well, that's the thing. So we did 20 by 400. So I did 20 laps in lane four. Nathan did 20 laps in lane four. Archie did the first 14 reps with us and then did some 400s, but probably did 20 laps worth of our work in lane four. I saw like Victoria Mitchell was over there doing reps the other day. I think she was doing like 15, 400 or something. So she's been smashing lane four. So you make a really good point that um, people are absolutely smashing lane four and lane one, two and three are pretty much as good as new. Unless when the um, little athletics kids go around there on a Saturday morning, I suppose. Because Shep, I don't think they have many members in there, like senior athletes club. Like I know a few of them went to Bendigo to race the other day for Shield and things like that. So, yeah, it's a weird rule because like like AIS croaks, they yeah. keep you off lane one, two or three. Like I know no. Lakeside, if you book that, you can get on lane one. Yeah, which is bizarre as well. I would have thought like a small town, you're less likely to wear it out than you are in a major city. And the major city tracks allow people in lane one. Mm. I'm trying to get the bottom yeah. of it. I'm trying to, I've tried to yeah, send a few inquiries to see like who's putting this rule in. And I'd actually just like to bring up the fact that I'm like, athletics is, distance running is a part of athletics. So like if you're an 800 meter kid or a 1500 meter kid or a 5K guy or 10K guy, um, you actually can't train for your event if they don't give you access to lane one. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'll want to do reps that are longer than 400 meters. Yep. It would be exactly the same as in saying to the, the jumpers, hey, the sand pits are closed and only open competition only. Yeah, like, you got to jump into yeah, this map. Go instead. jump on the footpath out there. Go on the nature strip or something. Like, yeah. Our yeah. sand is – we've got to keep our sand Protect in Protect the sand. Like I just, yeah. So I'd like to – and I think it's probably a, a naive decision. Like someone's probably made this decision without knowing a lot about athletics, someone in an office somewhere. Do, but, um, do you know, do you know what it sounds like it. as well? It What's sounds that? like – it sounds like an old school rule when it used to be a grass track. Yeah. And, you know, your yeah. lane, if, obviously if you're running in lane one, it just wears the shit out of it on the grass. And, yeah, you have then probably a massive divot in lane one. And so yeah. what's happened is the track's then been relayed with synthetic, but they've just kept they've yeah. just kept the old rule that you still can't run in lane one. This was the exact location of the old track. And it did yeah. used to be grass. And I'm like, I'm wondering if they had the gates there before they built the new track. That, that makes that makes but that makes more sense yeah. from a, like a grass track because it would just get absolutely like it could just get chewed up massively. But you know, in this day and age, if it's a synthetic track, you should be able to run in one lane one. Yeah, yeah. I'll mm. keep sending some emails, keep inquiring, seeing if I can get in there. And like, 
I'm not a shepherd and like guy. I'm an Achuki guy who doesn't have a track, so I don't. I just drive over to use it, so I don't really have much input or anything over there. But uh, yeah, we did 2400s off 30 seconds. Uh, 30 seconds goes pretty quick, boys. And we did six of them in 69, five of them in 68, and nine of them in 67s. So pretty consistent around the mark there. And then we just yeah shared the rotation for the first 14 until Archie um went and did some quicker 200s. Then Nathan and I took the last six. That's one a tough for one. Sesh. It was good though, felt good, felt controlled, just yelling at the boys just to keep it calm. A few of them a bit too quick, you know, splitting 200 in 32, 33, and just like, nah, 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 just put the brakes on around the bend and finish strong. And almost like try to, if you if you banked a bit of time early, you can kind of start recovering in that last 100 because you know your 30 seconds goes pretty quick. But um, that was nice. Highlight was probably afterwards though. Archie and I went to IGA and he found 10 bucks just in one of the aisles, 10 bucks cash. Just walking down the aisles, ten bucks just sitting there, boys. Ten buck no. So that was pretty That's that's the highlight. That was the highlight. Archie finding ten bucks. I thought he might have shouted me me chocolate milk and stuff afterwards as well, but nah, just uh put it in his pocket. And that was it. <laughs> so good work out there. Uh seven K in the afternoon, four thirty fives pace in the afternoon there on a Wednesday, easy Thursday, thirty minutes in the morning, ten K in the Arvo. I put up a screenshot, Brad, from um sex hmm. education. I don't think you're up to this episode yet, Moose. Oh, um, yeah, I'm watching it. Did I tell you that? Yeah, you told us you're watching it, but uh, this is season three. Such a fantastic show. Don't give it away. I won't give any spoilers away. But um, you know the character who's the, like, male music teacher? Yes, yeah. great, great character. Do you reckon he reminds you a bit of Croaks? That's what he'd be like in the yeah, classroom. Yeah, that. That's why I put the phone I'm like, up. this has Brad Croker all over Yeah, that's what I thought as well. <laughs> Just a real rare unit. Hey, you got? is this what schools are like now? Uh, well, yeah. Not primary schools. No, Brad will know more about secondary school than I will. Well, we're both punching above our weight. That guy's punching above his weight with the with the oh, person that's that he's what dating I was he is, last yeah. night. Yeah, I'm like, what's going on here? This is <laughs> this is like the least believable thing in the whole show. <laughs> They're both yeah. great characters. Nearly every character is great, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, you've been in a high school like because this this is different to my high school. They address some issues well, though, don't they? Mm. Yeah, like especially they, season three, Croaks. I thought they addressed a few issues really well there. Yeah, I think it's the a show great does. show. Yeah, like, yeah, they've been able to address it, but also you know keep it entertaining and um, quite funny. Well, it's entertaining. It feels a bit weird watching it sometimes because you're like, especially you, you're like forty and you're watching this show about like teenagers at high school, but the themes are quite strong. Mm. It would be weird for a teacher to watch that. No, I meant more as an old guy. <laughs> well, an old guy teacher. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So that anyway, was, uh, that's yeah. what I've been watching. We finished it though, so I've got to find a new TV show. Friday, ninety minutes easy. Four thirteens. Got rolling a bit on the way home. Couple of sub four minute Ks there, which felt alright. Eight K in the Arvo. Saturday, sixteen K easy. Four forty threes. Listen to Ali Pashley on the um, How They Train podcast with your employee Moose Jack yep. Kelly. I Started the that. podcast. Pretty good. I enjoyed Pretty that. Pretty good. Yeah, he's got a couple of other got some older guess, triathletes. Yeah, but yeah, I was uh, saying it's a good class. idea. It's a good call by him getting the um, getting the older, wiser triathletes on, like the athlete, actually older, wiser athletes, because they tend to be more honest. Yeah, and they speak um, a little bit like more candidly. Yeah. Well, that sound grab that you shared, Moose, I think it was on the running company Ballarat site from the, the triathlete that basically said, you know, everyone overtrains. I haven't listened to it. That's the only bit I've seen, but I'm like, oh, that could be an interesting chat. 
yeah. yeah, there are some good, like some of them have gone hard on their old training methods, like and and sort of throwing old coaches under the bus a little bit. Mm, yeah, so that got me through 16k. It was quite uh, quite interesting and audio, great audio. Need to get him doing a bit of audio production for us, I reckon. Steal a few of his ideas. You just got to fork out for some better equipment, mate. Oh, why do I have to fork out? Because I'm the well, one who pushes record. You blokes are the ones that have the like have the calipers on our on our budget. I do not I'm, do I think we should invest in sound. We should invest in sound. And you two tight asses never want to spend any money. I was happy to buy one of those mixer things. I just don't know how to use them. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll do, it right you, back you, No, you just send me you just send me the invoices and I pay them. That's my job. Yeah, All right, know, I'll, I'll sort it then. I'll talk to Jack. We'll get a mixer <laughs> and some new mics or something. Uh, then Sunday, big one, mile under marathon pace, like perfect day marathon pace, I'm calling this, a mile over. So um, I'm kind of working on that if it's a perfect day, I've got to pack around me for a long period of time. I get my drinks and, and uh, gels right, and it's like, yeah, a flat course and perfect weather and stuff. I think I can run 218-ish for a marathon. So I've been working on a bit under that pace, which was uh, trying to hit the miles in about five minutes, 501, 502, we we're hitting them in. And a bit over, which was like 5.25, like 3.09, 3.10 pace, and like 3.25, 3.26 pace, which we did. We did eight sets of that, so it was 25.6K, come out at a 3.17 average. And um, yeah, it was a good morning, kind of good to practice. We kind of took the um, scales down and weighed ourselves before and after just to see how much we lost. Practice getting some gels in, some drinks in. Um, good to have Nathan as a training partner for a workout like that because we kind of just take one set each. And then, yeah, it's the first time. I've done that before for maybe six efforts, but the first time I've kind of got it out to eight. Um, yeah, nice little workout, last big, decent one before we start tapering because the race you is should, 20 day um, time. I think you're selling yourself short with 218 personally. Like if you can do that like 400 session quite comfortably off 30 second recovery and this – I think you're in better shape than 218. Matt, I'm not fantastic at marathons, though, Croaks. I've run six of them, and five of them have been pretty poor. So yeah, like but that's because, you've, that's because you've tried to run 216 when you haven't been a 216 runner, I no, think. No, that's not true. I've never gone through it in 68. In yeah. the past, I've gone through it in, like, 69 low. Like, I've never... All right, well, yeah. you've run... I just to pieces in the last well, six yeah. or seven K, most of them. Yeah, but as you know, like, there's a real fine line in that first half. Like, you know, we're talking, like... 30 seconds if you're 30 seconds too fast like yeah. it, it can potentially cost you in the back end which you know it may have previously mm. yeah we'll see so now it's just about um kind of just recovering from that one maintaining and then getting through to to the start line because it's going to come around pretty quick i've got a i've got a drinks guy sorted brad yeah what big moose big mooses yeah said hey i'll do it for you he's got a whole team mm. down there he reckons no, no. Well, not yet. I'm oh, still yeah. recruiting. I'm recruiting the team. Yeah. Unless, you, unless you look like you're on 214 pace and then all of a sudden you, your drink goes missing yeah. and, after 30K. Well, there's no one there because they're expecting you in three minutes' time. <laughs> yeah, I've got to go get a coffee and <laughs> croissant just Brady's, in the middle. Shit, we'll, see how, we'll see how this prick goes with no drinks for the last <laughs> 12K. <laughs> also, if Gunther's having a shocker, then I'm going to have to stick with him. So then, <laughs> then you're fucked. <laughs> uh, so all those little last minute admin things which um it's only the marathon that has that isn't it like you know when you're looking at gels and when to take them and when your drinks and how many meals and how many carbs and 
what kit you're wearing. Like, I feel like if you're doing a 5K in three weeks' time, I wouldn't be thinking about any of this stuff at this stage. But it's part of the game for the marathon. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, talk to Michael Roger. Hey, I've uh, just adding him in now. All right, this week's guest on the Inside Running podcast joins us all the way from Canberra. His recent result we saw was at the Paralympics when he finished in sixth place. He's the world record holder for the Paralympic marathon in his classification. Michael Roger, welcome back to the Inside Running podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. It's been a while, and um, yeah, it's been one hell of a year. Hey, a bit's happened in that time, hasn't it? And we're looking forward to uh, unpacking that with you in this next kind of 20 or 30 minutes. Um, first up, though, where you join us from and what's the latest update with the body and stuff? Um, yeah, I'm joining us, joining you guys from Canberra. Um, it's a little bit nippy tonight, but um, yeah, the nation's capital. And um, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you've had a great running week, mate. Uh, look, it's been like you like Ray touched on since, uh, since Tokyo, five weeks before Tokyo, I uh, got an injury and the running is very slow at the moment i spent the last sort of nine weeks out and i've just started to get back into it and running sort of every second day at the moment just for 40 minutes the doctors are sort of really putting the reins on me and holding me back for the rest of the year just running every second day until uh until january then i can sort of start get going again but in saying that i did two by 10 minute efforts yesterday and i sort of hit 320 pace for those and it was uh flat out but it was good to be hurting again Rogues, let's go to your 2021 before we go to the uh, Paralympics. You opened up, we kind of had a 14-16 5K and then a 14-00. Um, so obviously in pretty good shape over the 5K. Like I'm sure a bit frustrating not to get that 13-59 next to the name at Nationals. And then um, you and I, I saw you down at Launceston when you ran 29-40. So you must have been pretty happy with how the first six months rolled. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it's a very, very good first six months of the year and that 14 flat, I was really happy with that. It's, it's still a goal of mine is to break 14 minutes for 5K and hopefully I can do that next year. And then we, we went to, to April and I ran 218 as well, which was um, which is awesome. And I, I thought that was going to set me up for a big one in Tokyo. And um, I was really looking forward to Gold Coast Half Marathon, which got cancelled. And, um, yeah, it was it's half the battle of the marathon is just getting to the start line uh, healthy and uh, uninjured. And I unfortunately couldn't do that in Tokyo but the first six months of the year was um was awesome with that 5k 10k and Lonnie and then um yeah the marathon in there as well the Penrith yeah sorry I did I I was just gonna say I did um I'm not sure why I didn't read that out it's on the notes right in front of me but yeah the 218.53 which was a PB and a world record at the time um so yeah as you said it must have been you know kind of confidence boost to getting that under I know you've had some issues with cramping and stuff before in the marathon and that one did it go relatively smooth yeah, that's you know, what have I done? You know, five marathons or yeah, five marathons, including Tokyo, and every one I've just seemed to cramp up a little bit. And that was the same in Penrith in April. It's cramping started to happen around that 31k. And um, if anyone's got a secret recipe out there for not cramping, I'd love to hear it. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a weird experience that one in Penrith. Obviously, you guys harped on about it. And you've talked about it. it. Wasn't a big field. It was the course got changed at the right at the last minute and. Um, yeah, I had, I had Jared Clifford and my coach and a few others pacing me, so that was great. But it just, yeah, there's a few winds and a few turns in there that didn't help me and didn't suit me. And, yeah, just that little bit of cramming at the end uh, probably slowed me down for a minute or two. 
Um, Rogers, I was just going to say, like, those 5K results were pretty impressive, but didn't you, like, you hadn't strung together a whole heap of training in the lead-up to those races either, had you? You'd come off a pre- an injury before that? Yeah, I had a little bit of osteoarthritis on so the groin, so that sort of held me back a little bit too for that 5K. And, um, yeah, I was just trying to qualify. I went down to Victoria and ran that four, the qualifying time for the championships, which I think was 14.21, and I ran 14.16, and... Um, that gave me a little bit of confidence. And then, um, yeah, that race in Sydney, the 14 flat, I just sort of, yeah, pulled that out. Um, was confident going in, but didn't didn't really know where I was at and um, had a good sit on, I think, Louis Mac- McAfee and Riley Cox that day. So it, um, sometimes it's a good day, and that was my day. Robes, you seem to be a better track runner like than a marathoner, just based off these results. Like, when, when I look at that, I'm like, 14 minutes, that's fucking... That's it, like unachievable for, for me. Yet I've run faster than you over the, the marathon. Um, with your classification, did you consider running more on the track at, at Tokyo or was, was the marathon the only option? Yeah, obviously a lot's been said over the last days, but I could have I could have run the 15 as well. But I thought after 2019 World Champs when I ran the 1500 and, and ran a silver medal, I thought that was probably going to be my last international 1500. Um, and I've really, really learned to love the roads and the marathon, and I know I haven't nailed one yet. Um, I've got, yeah, the 14 flats really good. I ran a 64-15 half marathon, I think, um, and I think there's a lot more there too. But uh, as we know, the uh, the marathon's a beast and event, and I think that's why I love it as well because there's so much to learn and so much room for improvement, and um, I think when, when you really know one, it's just, a, it's just pure elation and pure joy. And, um, yeah, you're running against yourself in a way, and um, I wish, yeah, I think I've got a lot more in me in the marathon and, and potentially the 5k. Rogues, those um, was it five weeks before Tokyo? Stress was it stress fracture or stress reaction? Like, talk us through that period. It must be um, terrible news to get that close to the race, and maybe your emotions, and, and maybe how hard it was to keep it in house. Like, I don't think until after the race that I heard that news, or maybe during the coverage of the race. Like, yeah, talk us yeah. through that period of time. Yeah, Brady, it was pretty devastating. I think on the 20, 28th of July, I got an MRI scan. And I guess two weeks before that scan, I um, had a little bit of neural pain down the outside of my leg. And it, it sort of presented this neural pain. And I, I flagged it very early with the doctors and physios, and they told me, yep, it's no bone, you'll be fine. And I did two big weeks of 170Ks and then I think it was about four days before I had to go to the pre-departure camp in Townsville. We got it scanned and it come up with a stress fracture really high up in the fibula bone. Um, and that was, yeah, the, the worst news I could possibly hear. And then from then on, it was, a, it was a real battle. But in saying that, the physios and everyone told me, yep, it's going to be all right. And everyone keeps getting in your ear and telling you it's going to be fine and you'll be fine. And it was probably the hardest five weeks of yeah my running career. That just you know limping around a hotel in 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 Townsville and in Cairns and trying to trying to run, then trying to give it enough time to deload. And then I, I remember I did probably two two twenty-five k runs before Tokyo up in Cairns, and it was it was I was in that much pain. Then I was limping, but then I was getting tight and sore in other areas just because of my running technique was biomechanically shocking. So yeah, I think I was. Yeah, very close to, you know, putting me at least out and pulling out of the games. But, um, yeah, for my family and friends and 
everyone that's ever supported me. I just wanted to get out there for them. And, you know, Little Langhorn Creek, the town I grew up in, a country town that every four years they they love it. You know, there's all hype around the town and they can see their boy on TV. So I did it for them as well as much as much as anyone. But did you have another scan, be- like, you know, in the weeks leading up just to see whether it actually healed at all? And then if you didn't, like, when was the – like, have you had a scan since? And, how like, how's it healed? Yeah, no, we didn't get a scan, another scan before the games. It was um, – we're just going symptomatic and uh, doing a lot of different treatments with a physio every day. So Jen Cook from the ARS, she flew up personally just to be my physio for that five weeks and I wouldn't have got to the start line without her and – um, I, had a, I had a scan on the second of September, the day I got out of quarantine. The second day I got out of quarantine, um, you could see the previous scan. You couldn't see the the bone stress on the X-ray, and this time you could. Um, whereas pre-games you couldn't. Um, but then on the MRI, this time you could see the healing already starting to happen. I guess that was because I spent two weeks in the hotel doing nothing. Um, yeah. So, get, so did every step of the marathon hurt or was it like, was there like the first 5K was okay? Yeah. It's funny. I still stood on that start line that day thinking I could win. Um, I believe like, and obviously my coach, Philo Saunders, you know, if he tells me to run through a brick wall, I'm going to run through a brick wall. And I, 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 feel, I felt like I was still, I was in reasonable, like enough shape to run 228 to 230. And I thought that was probably going to be enough to win it. Uh, with the conditions as well, but um, yeah, after about 17 k, I knew I was in trouble when the, when the pace started quicken up, and, and I was getting a little bit sore in the in the bone, and then I started to uh, like change my technique, and the technique wasn't right, and then I started cramping up, like yeah, probably about 24 k, and um, from about 29 k, I was in a lot of trouble, and then I sort of told myself to put pride aside and just finish with myself rather than anyone else, and. It was my fourth Paralympic Games and I didn't finish in London 2012. I didn't want to go to four Paralympic Games and have a 50 DNF rate. So it took every bit of willpower and I remember stopping at 40K just after the drinks and there was a little incline and the crowd was so loud. Then when I stopped, they went silent and, yeah, it was a weird, weird feeling. And then somehow I got going again and, yeah, I don't remember much of the last 7K and, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty brutal. I was, to be honest, I was happy to finish and forget about it and not have to run in pain anymore because you guys know what it's like when you've got an injury running in pain. It's, it's the worst. What did you learn from the whole experience, Rogues? Like anything stand out? Like obviously adversity sometimes where we learn some, some things? Yeah, I guess for me, like I guess I learned that a Paralympic gold is not everything and I'm still Michael without it. Um, I think I wanted it for so long and um, thought I was good enough for so long, but I think now I sort of I'm feeling yeah I've, I feel a lot like I feel like I, I can end my career or not not have a Paralympic gold medal and I'll still be okay it's not going to be the end of the world and like my twin brother said when I when I finished and I talked to him he said bro you're never going to run a harder marathon in your life than that one so the next one when it's going to get harder you just channel channel out and think about that one and you're going to be fine but yeah it's I'm still processing it and I'm yeah, I think I'm, a, I'm going to be a better person, a better athlete going through that. And yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a tough sport. And, you know, unfortunately, I fell over five weeks before the before the start line. Hey, um, Rose, we've known each other a long time, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but I um I was absolutely gutted to see that result because on paper, 
Like I, I felt like a 70 to 80% fit Michael Roger wins that race any day of the week. Um, and, you know, it's been documented. You know, Philo's mentioned it in a lot of interviews. Like you are, you are a super hard trainer. And, you know, I actually have your, your Strava here. Like, you did 3 by 5 k around Lake Burley, which is not, you know, it's not super – it's not dead flat. You pretty much ran a half marathon in 65 minutes. You know, probably, what, three weeks before you got your stressy. Like, does this – is this something that now you look back on and go, look, in in future, maybe I just need to be a little bit underdone and just not not push the envelope all the time? 100% croaks. And I guess, as Barry was saying, what we learned, and that's and that's – what I've learned, things like that, and I look back, and in hindsight, you think, you think, why, why did I do those sessions, and and what, what would I change? And I would have taken, you know, 90 kilometer weeks the last three months out, probably croaks, and and probably would have. And I reckon know, it would have been enough. I reckon it would have been enough. <laughs> it, it would have been. And I look back, and I think, how did I get the injury? And I remember after Lonnie 10, uh, I had a sore calf. My antipose was really sore, and I was probably offloading that, and. You know, loading the outside of my foot, and then I did those couple big sessions, and then like I was doing heat sessions, and then we went to the altitude house, you know, all these, and I was you know busy, busy with you know life, and broke up my girlfriend, and all these other things, external things that I think sometimes when you're in the tunnel you don't take into account. So I think when people are you know looking in, you really need to look at the athlete holistically rather than just you know training on paper. Uh, I think. Yeah, we should have taken a few more things into account, but at the end of the day, I guess that's my reporting as well for Philo. And I think you know, talk to my sports psychologist more, and and like you said, just pull back a little bit more, not do that bigger session, or have a little break. And you know, I don't need to be running a 65-minute half marathon in a Canberra winter after a you know couple of weeks. But um, hopefully, I'll yeah, learn these lessons and uh, be better next time. Rogues, this is something I've often thought when I watch you and, well, especially you and Jared run, where in our domestic season normally um, in the open events, is I often wonder at the end of the race, like, are you comparing yourself to other para-athletes at that time when you cross the line or do you compare yourself to the open athletes that you're able-bodied that you're competing against? Um, because you're often running records that are against competition that's not in the race, but you're competitive in the race. Like, you could be beating these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Moose, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm competing and comparing myself to everyone standing on, beside me on the line. Um, I feel like I'm a very competitive person, and breaking all these world records and everything is good in a race, but, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to win the race and beat the people on that line. and. And I think I can. Like you know, I'm I'm not scared of racing, you know. And I love I love just trying to be up the top of the pointy end of the field because you know that's that's what gives me joy is just is just trying to win and 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 be be better be better than I was last time. But yeah, all the all the records and stuff, Cliffy and I break are, are awesome. And but I think we're both we both cut from the same cloth, and we just want to win the race that we're in. And um, yeah, the world records just come with that, I guess. And um, as long as we just can keep getting better and, you know, and be competitive with everybody athletes in Australia and over the world, you know, it's going to be good for the sport. Yep. Rose, have you spent some time away from the sport since the uh, games and like healing, like tried to escape it a bit or are you still being paying attention? 
Ah, uh, no, nah, definitely, definitely escaped it, and it's, it's sort of. St- it's, I'm just starting to find my straps again now because yeah, the first like hotel quarantine was was so hard. I reckon yeah, it was a few bottles of red wine that was for sure through there that two weeks, um, and yeah, it was really hard to. I just yeah went through a whole roller coaster of emotions. You know, when you you know set the bar so high, then you and you don't quite quite get there. It was it was quite tough, and um, I think I had three weeks fully off exercise, put on six kilos. Which you know, that's how light I was in Tokyo. I put on six kilos pretty much in three weeks, and then um, I've been sw- I swim- swimming every day, sort of two to three k. Still doing that now, and um, yeah, I'm starting to find my mojo again. And I think the next race will be. I, think, I wanted to race Zatapak, but the doctors and physios sort of holding me back, and that'll probably be. I think Hobart run the bridge end of February, ten k. Yeah, and um, just on that hotel quarantine, because I watched your like interview with Channel 7 after the race yesterday, and I remember watching that and thinking, oh, my God, this poor guy is now going to get chucked in a hotel room by himself for two weeks. Did um, yeah. Was there any like mental health or counselling or like sports psychology support like, could, that, that you were offered? Because it sounded like a yeah. terrible – like it would be hard enough to do that if you just won the gold medal and you were high as a kite, but to do that after a disappointing performance – uh, must have been really hard. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think I, think I must have been on the, the, the red list because I was getting that many calls a day from people in Athletics Australia and, Good, yeah. and doctors and sports psychologists. And, yeah, by the end of by the end of the first week, I was sick of FaceTimes, that's for sure. But, no, Athletics Australia really did a good job of making sure everyone was looked after. And, um, yeah, I think especially cases like me. But, yeah, I had a lot of people check up on me, which is nice. And then... We all kept in contact with other, you know, uh, teammates that were in there as well. I think Timmy Logan and me spent probably nine hours one Saturday on FaceTime just having a few beers and on the punt, so that was quite cool. <laughs> Sounds fun. And then the news just come out a couple of days ago. I'm not sure exactly when this announcement was made, but um, they, the International Paralympic Committee announced it would cull three male athletics events in Paris, with one of them being the T46 Marathon, which is your event. Um, yeah. which leaves, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the 1,500 metres, your only option now at the Paralympics? Yeah, that was a rude shock on um, Saturday morning when I woke up. And even sure athletics, it was. Even Athletics Australia didn't really know. And I haven't got I haven't got a fight in me to fight that fight or, you know, worry about that. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's a shame because I love the marathon and I guess Phil and I just need to weigh up, you know, do I still want to chase my dream of winning a Paralympic gold medal? Or do I want to try and, you know, reach my potential in the marathon over the next years? I think, you know, under 215 potentially. So I think next year for me doesn't change. I'm racing Boston Marathon in April, which they've invited me over. And there's still a Para World Marathon Championships, which will be London Marathon in September, I think. So next year will stay relatively the same. Um, then I think the start of 2023, Philo and I will decide whether, you know, I want to go to the 1500 and try and, you know, win that at the Paralympics or or stay the marathon. And I thought fifteen hundred was done for me, but I still believe I can run a good one if I really want to. Rogues, do you know what the process is of how they decide which events they have? Because like it seems to me like fifteen like there's there's no real pure distance event for you now. Like you you would have thought that a five K is probably a bit more fair. Like, you know, the middle the pure fifteen guys can come up and the guys at ten K marathon can maybe come down to five. Like how do they come up with the events? Yeah, I, I probably can't speak too much on these croaks. I don't really know because, you know, just for the listeners, the Paralympic sport is very complex and para-athletics, there's so many different classes and events. 
I had a quick chat to um, someone in Athletics Australia today, and they said they've, or Philo, I think it was, said they've based their decision on the last three years of competition. And well, for a start, there hasn't been many marathons because you know we've been in a, in a pandemic. So uh, yeah, I wonder how these decisions get made. And I, I know, like you know, I think 15 of my competitors have just started a WhatsApp group up, and Athletics Australia or the Paralympics Australia going to talk to World Para Athletics and the IPC just to get some answers and see and. You know, maybe it will get overturned, but maybe it won't. And I'm just, you know, staying positive. And if one door closes, hopefully another one opens. And I've got a lot, lot still more to give in the marathon, so that's definitely going to still be doing that over the next year. And I know, like we talked about before, around 14 flat for a 5K early this year. And if I can get back into sub-350 shape for the 1500, maybe that's a shot in Paris. Maybe it's meant to be. You know, I never quite got there in, in the 15. Maybe I'll get there in Paris. And what was the winning time for that in Tokyo, Rogues? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, I think it was 3.52 with a with a swift last lap. You know, I'm still the world record at 3.45. Yeah. I think, yeah. It's, it's just hard because my passion and yeah. my love has, has been the marathon the last two years, and I, I, I truly thought I wouldn't go back to the 1500, but, yeah. So tell us about Boston then. You've got – is that a um, – is there a – classification event at boston like some of the big ones do yeah yeah so boston the last few years or the, since the last i think three runs they've had these para classes as well um which is starts starts with a mass mass is mass um run to the elite so uh, the last few years i've been invited to it but i've just haven't been able to get there with the pandemic so finally hopefully um yeah phil and i'll go over and hopefully get a start with the big boys as well and there's a bit of prize money up for the para division as well, and hopefully run quick, which is which is awesome. It's a good good opportunity, and it's it's good to see a big city marathon do that with the ambulance guys as well, not just with the wheelchairs. Yeah, Rogues, do you think all the world marathon majors will end up going that way? Like London's obviously been the example for a few years, but like, do you do you know? Is there any kind of insight that New York and the Berlin and that will all follow suit? Yeah, I'm not too sure. It, it's it's hard. Like we like you know, like we're saying, the numbers. Obviously, you've got so many different classes: vision impaired, arm amputees. Mm-hmm. That I know Boston is doing uh, leg amputees for the marathon as well. So if you've got all these different classes, the fields aren't always quite as big. But um, you know, it'd be great if they if they just acknowledge at least a handful of para athletics in some of these big big city marathons. Especially if you know we got guys like Cliffy and I running under two twenty, would would be up in the top thirty in some of these big 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 city marathons. Yeah, it'd be pretty and, cool to see. And world champs um, next year, Rogues. What events do you have to be able to compete there? Do you have? A, is there a five k there? No, just the fifteen hundred croaks, and they're um, they're in Kobe, which is Japan. So the the track world champs for um for para athletics in August, I think. So I probably won't go to them. I'll probably just focus on that London marathon in September. I think it is. And would, do do their events mirror what the Paralympics do? Them and the world champs. Sorry, what was that? Do their events mirror what the um, Paralympics do, the World Champs and the Paralympics? Yeah, there's a few. For the World Champs, there's a few different events in. So it's just, yeah, it's a little bit different, the World Champs, and they just they cut a few more back for the Paralympics. Yeah. Hey, Rogues, one of maybe one of my last ones. Uh, Brooks has made you available for us tonight. We've been testing out the adrenaline the last couple of weeks, I've been impressed with that. You got a favourite like maybe jogging shoe, and then a training favourite workout shoe, training shoe. Yeah, I've been very fortunate enough for be supported by Brooks for the last I think six years. So 
um, yeah, big thanks to them, and uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be where I am today and running running so much without them because you know, as you guys know, you go through a fair few shoes when you're running marathons. But yeah, my go-to shoe just to get out the door in the morning would be the glycerin. I love the glycerin; it's it's soft, it's comfortable, and um, I feel like I can you know run run as many as I want in that. So that's that's one of my favourites. Then my hybrid hybrid shoe would be the Brooks Launch. Um, very comfortable. Then, obviously, a racer is the Brooks Hyperion Elite, which Elite Two, which I ran in Tokyo, and that's a great shoe too. Awesome. Any other nice questions for him, fellas? Moose, no. you got anything? I'm good. I've some, some good answers in there. Yeah, that's what, we Can't don't need questions question. when he talks he speaks, like that. Speaks well, but um, speaks very well. Do you do any public speak, speaking ropes? Bit of media training at yeah. the AIS. No, it's, yeah. It's yeah. It's been it's been up and down year, guys. But um, I feel like you know 2022 is going to be good. And, you know, a couple of my goals that are yeah, break 14 minutes in the 5K. Obviously, had a good marathon in there, and um, yeah, I'd love to get back to the grassroots and do a couple of cross-country races too, because you know that makes me happy and that's you know very enjoyable for me. So I'm you, looking for you're looking for a team in Victoria, Brokes. Come down to a few of the Victorian ones. Get a cheek in my mama cross-country. Now Bendigo bats. We don't have we don't have a team here, but Bendigo can find your singlet. Yeah. Croaks is yeah. a member. He's a winter member. He comes down occasionally. I can, I'll drive over my singlet if you want, Rogues. I've got one here that probably won't get used again. Doesn't get a lot of use. That'd be exciting. You'd be strong over cross-country too, wouldn't you? That seems to be an event that would really suit you. Yeah, yeah, no. That's where that's where it started, running around the vineyards and around the paddocks to the young fella. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta, I got to get back to what I love, and that's what I love. We just Have a listen to him, like the Africans just running through there. So, Rogues, how many k's a week are you running at the moment? Yeah, so last week I ran 41. This week will be probably 45. Um, yeah, so and just, oh. just keep, keep continuing from there. And tomorrow I've got a six by six by three minute efforts with a minute recovery, with a 10 minute warm up and 15 minute warm down. So. It's nice to be, you know, I, I used to struggle with coming back from injury, but now, you know, I don't look from where I was. I just, you know, look where I'm going. And every run I'm progressing and getting better, which is which is awesome to see. Oh, we should catch up for a run, Rogues. I might hit you up in the next few weeks before you get too fit. I can't keep yeah, up no. anymore. Yeah, that'll be good, Coach. <laughs> Beautiful, mate. Well, thanks for your time and your, like, honesty and your, yeah, insightful um, answers there. It's really good talking to you tonight. And do you do any public speaking, Rogues? you want to plug anything? Like any schools in the local areas can book you to go to a presentation or anything? Oh, uh, no, look, I just, like, help you. I don't do too much, but I've, I've done a bit, gone to a few schools and done a few media things. And, um, yeah, I just like, you know, talking to kids and if I can inspire at least one person, I've done my job and, um, yeah, I just want to thank everyone that supported me, you know, not not just this year, but through my whole journey and, and continue on the uh, the road train. Yeah, well put. Thanks, mate, for your time. And, yeah, we really appreciate that at the Inside Running Podcast. You got it. Thanks, Rogues. This week's episode is brought to you by Brooks, the running specialty brand founded over 100 years ago. Brooks are preparing to launch the 22nd edition of their best-selling model, the Adrenaline GTS 22. Landing in December... The GTS 22 features Brooks plush DNA loft cushioning, now featured throughout 100% of the midsole, making it their softest edition yet. Their tried and tested guide rail support system is integrated into the shoe to keep your knees and ankles in check, giving you the confidence of wearing a stability shoe while still enjoying a responsive ride. The Adrenaline GTS 22 lands in stores in December, but as reviewed on episode 210 of the Inside Running podcast, 
visit your local running specialty store or www.brooksrunning.com.au to secure your pair. All right, let's thank some Patreon supporters. Fellas, Moose, kick us off. Yep, so I'm thanking Matt Osborne. Now, Matt, pretty cool little story, lives in Shanghai in China, has run 1643 for 5K, 35.22 recently. So that was a 10K PB two weeks ago. Um, 3.16 at Tokyo 2019, 1.18.36. Could be a fan of Steve Monaghetti. He has a photo of him on Strava. Well, really, who... Who isn't a fan of Steve Monaghetti? Yeah, I'm a fan, um, but I don't have a photo of him on my Strava. I got a photo of him in on the, the wall store. of my business. Yeah. <laughs> um, so coached by Lockie Doak, he lives in Shanghai, Tassie fella, apparently does some meet, like does all the um, videos for Nike and stuff over there. So makes like their marketing videos or something. Um, video photographer, yeah. Uh, He's been battling last-minute race cancellations like we all have, um, aiming to run Chicago next year. And, yeah, very satisfied run-strong customer, according to Lachlan. You love getting these plugs in here, doesn't he, Croaks? Hey, it's happening they're more supporting and more our, often. They're they supporting, supporting our show. show. I did like, I was, I was checking out his runs yesterday. Looks like he's You'll a, bit let a big, that go. big dog over there in Shanghai. Yeah, they're locked down, apparently. Are they again? So, so what happened with... With Matt was they got offered two vaccines before anyone was really like taking vaccines, and he picked one of them, and that's the one that the Australian government didn't recognise as a um, legit vaccine, so he can't come home with it. Uh, so he's got to go through it. Oh well, I don't know even know if you can get the second round of vac- the other vaccine now. Um, mm-hmm. So he's kind of fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, apparently China's locked down for like for indefinitely just because of a, another outbreak up in um in another city right is it like a different strain is that what or is it still that i hope not i don't know I don't this know. is just off this is locky he often talks shit so <laughs> pro- probably get some complaints <laughs> probably get some... there's just a whole lot of people panicking that we're about to go back into lockdown <laughs> after just coming out for a couple of weeks uh, yeah <laughs> come on Lockie. No. i need three weeks until this marathon happens locky and then i'm okay Hold off. Um, Croaks, who you got? Uh, I've got Shiloh Watts this week. Uh, I believe Shiloh lives in Brisbane, if not Brisbane, in, definitely in Queensland. Uh, she's a coach uh, with wattsathletics.com.au. And um, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned her on the show before for either winning races or definitely coming top three. So some of her PBs are 17.22 5K, 36.46 for 10 83 for the half and 254 for the marathon, which she did on the Gold Coast in 2019. So thanks for your support, Shiloh. Yeah, I did search her name and saw him in a couple of uh, results that we've spoken about on the past croaks. So good pick yeah. up there. I'm going to thank Hayden Bishop from Devonport in Tasmania. He ran 256 at the Hobart Marathon, which was good enough to win the state championship down there in 2021. You were there that day, Moose, so you would have seen Hayden run past. He's ran a 1.16 for the half marathon on a windy day, going by his Strava notes, 16.11 for 5K. So he's got some wheels. Did a good workout the other day of uh, 7 by 1K on, 1K float. So maybe a marathon, maybe Hobart in Jan, or maybe he's coming over from Melbourne. So keep an eye out for that name. Uh, looks like he's really embedded in the running community down there. A lot of photos of group runs and things like that. So a massive thank you, Hayden, for your support of the Inside Running Podcast. Rightio, let's get on some news, hey? 
Uh, Moose, you want to take us to NCAAs? You've been there before, haven't you? You would have run at this meet for Chico State? Nah, mate, this is Div 1. This is the big dogs. Um, oh, don't Div 2 and Div 3 still run on the same day? Uh, maybe this... Yeah, d- totally different events. Different course. Yeah. Different location. Yeah. They, oh, okay. Yeah, it's not the same I, don't, I don't know a lot about this at all, but it's just always big news. Different organisations. But anyway, it, it's Div 1 where the real players are at. So the... Um, the men's and women's finishes, 250 athletes each. So, so they this... qualify to get to that, don't they? So it's only the best 250? Well, yeah, the, the, it's the best teams as well as the best individuals. So if, if you're qual- you can qualify if your team doesn't, but if your team qualifies, then, um, then you'll get a chance, even if maybe you weren't in like the top, top 50 or whatever at the, at the regional meet or the conference meet. Okay, and they go top six count for a team? No, top five. Top five. You can t- seven seven run. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So the good so teams it's... who have qualified get to send seven, and that might make up, say, 200 people of the field, and then there's 50 people who have qualified individually? Yeah, I think it's something like that. I think that's how it works. That'd be pretty good if I got it right straight out like that. But well, hey, if you're going to you know. cap it at 250, that's the only way you can do it, isn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. want to have too many spots for the individuals. They're you can't have wild cards. Yeah. You can't have more than seven run in a team. So, for example, Brady, like Adam Fogg, guy that we've spoken mm. about a bit. Yeah. So he finished fourth at at his regionals. So his his team didn't qualify, but he finished high enough to make it as an individual. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um. So yeah, but the ten k. Bloody crazy. First K, 239. At 800 metres, they were two minutes. So they've run through 60-second lap, 60-second lap for the first 800, and it is a legit sprint because often the courses start super wide and then funnel into a, into a narrower course. And so if, if you have 250, like, very good runners, you'd say they would be all sub-31 guys, I'd say. Maybe even quicker less. Than that, wouldn't they? Yeah, probably even all quicker than that. But if you had 250 of them all gunning for this one funnel, um, then you want to be up the front because passing becomes quite difficult. Say you want to finish in the top 50, but yet you hit the um, funnel at 200, you have to pass 150 people over the course of only 10K. And these guys are legit. This isn't like. Uh, like I've just had a bad start. I'll catch him. This is every bloke fighting for his life. Every lady going at it, elbows well, rough. Also brings a lot undone by trying to get to the final in a good position. Yeah, isn't yeah. there more risk than reward though? <laughs> no, it's like, different with this. Yeah, because I, I always so see it difficult. and I go, why aren't they just going out easy and just pick them all yeah. off? Like, because people just hit like they just go backwards. It's it's because um, logistically you cannot pass in certain areas. Okay. So if if you're not there, then you're not there. Then you're way out the back, and and you like it's just carnage. So it's yeah, it's not quite the same as a marathon or a road race where there's heaps of space for passing. Even on the track, you can pass fine, but it's different. It's different here. Anyway, um, race favorite Connor Mance from BYU took the win ahead of. Wesley Kiptu of Iowa State and Athanas Kiyoko of Campbell. Uh, so that's the second year that Mance has won that. Um, we had three Australians in the top 20. So Haftu um, Strintsos 
he was ninth. And that's he ran at Villanova, which is the same school that Paddy Tiernan. Um, Jordan Williams. Jordy Williams. That's right. Did we have a lady there too? Um, anyway, 28.57 for, for ninth place. So top 10 is pretty, pretty amazing, actually. I've never heard – I actually never heard of him before. Yeah. Um, well, he runs with Glenn Huntley. I, don't, I remember him as a junior. Did, like, was, wasn't amazing, like an 8.20, 8.25 kind of guy. 14.15, 14.25 kind of 5K is pretty consistent. But Zach and Newman's been telling me for about six weeks, he's like, this guy – is the real deal. Wait till NCAA cross country finals. He used really? To train with, yeah, Craig Mottram used to coach him in ben, uh, in um, Melbourne when um, Zacha was trained in that group as well. And oh. yeah, he's he's had dibs on this guy for a long time. But to come ninth, that's like yeah, next level. Yeah. Uh, so Kai Robinson was the next best place. He was at Stanford. Um, he's from Queensland. Finished fourteenth, twenty nine fifteen. Only the second race in the US. Um, and Zach Faccioni was third Australian, 29-19 from Wake Forest. Am I going through everybody? Just no, I reckon that's enough. Yeah. Top, yeah. Oh, just want to go top those ones? You know, yeah, top 20, I reckon. Yeah. Um, and then, so in the women's race, six, still 6K, the women's. So that's different because yeah, the there's, a bit of con- there's a bit of con- There's a bit of controversy about that. It's been in the media over there a lot about them trying to um, have the same distance as the men's. Yeah. So oh, yeah. hasn't everyone changed that now pretty much? Like, well, I think the fact that World Cross now is 10K for both, it makes sense. Yeah, in Victoria it's all changed. Remember there was like a campaign of the for the ladies not changing it? Like Paula Radcliffe, wasn't she heading it? Like, oh, yeah, you might be right. I guess there's, yeah, I guess there's people in both camps. Like, I, I don't understand. I didn't understand that. Yeah, we spoke about it at the time, didn't we? Anyway, um, the females. So we had Lauren Ryan, who we've talked about a lot on the show. She had a big track campaign here over summer. Um, she's at Florida State. She ran 19.50 for 26th position. Ruby Smee, we've also talked about Ruby here, 19.53. So only three seconds back. So this is a good example, Brady. <laughs> Lauren Ryan, 19.50, 26th place. Ruby, 19.53, 34th place. Eight, Eight positions in, in three, three seconds. seconds. Yeah. That is unbelievable. <laughs> but even then, if you look at the next one, what's that? Twenty-eight seconds. There's been forty-four come in. Yeah. In so, twenty-eight seconds between thirty-fourth and seventy-eighth. Yeah. Cleo yeah. Cleo Ozan Jarks, twenty twenty-one, was seventy-eighth. Pretty cool. Um, yeah. So. And they do like it's so. Um, it was on ESPN, so I recorded it uh, and watched it yesterday morning and the footage is amazing because they have timing mats every kilometer so every kilometer they would have the top 10 and then they would just keep scrolling through like for, so from 11 to tw- 11 to 20 and then 21 to 30 and you could you could follow each runner and that was on the bottom half of the screen and the top half of the screen had the team scores and because they got all the chips on them they could come up with the team scores like Every kilometer, so you, yeah. so you knew how it was changing. It was just su- such a good um, for a viewer, like to really get a good understanding of what was happening. It was it was amazing. Is this the most marketable section of distance running in the world that could go mainstream? Like, is this better than track and field? Is this better than mass, you know, participation kind of elite marathon running on the roads? 
I think the team at like so I've obviously never I've never been in this situation before, but I've heard a lot of our top college runners talk about how much they love the cross country season because of that whole um, team aspect from the point that they get together and some of them might train through summer together and then they slowly build throughout the fall. You know, they have their different a different race, you know, each week or whatever. Um, and so that camaraderie that they get in the in the cross country team. They don't get in any aspect in any other aspect of track and field. Well, the buy-in is just so big, and like we're talking about, look at some of the Australians who have bought in over the years. They love the place. They never come home. Yeah. Like look at the Morgan McDonalds and the Ollie Hawes and Pat Tiernan. Like, they just seem to want to do anything for this singlet that they've only been representing for two or three years. Yeah, mm. it's, it's pretty good. Chico State Moose, no nothing to report there because they're in Divi 2. Thanks to Chris Hill for uh, typing up some notes for me, a bit of a summary there. He was all over that stuff over the weekend. Uh, Chris, yeah. got some more news for us? Uh, yeah, Point Pinnacle down in uh, Hobart. So they run from Hobart up to the top of Mount Wellington. So um, it's a half marathon distance. Uh, Nick Earl got the win there. So the fact that they... Uh, pretty much closed the borders to everybody other than Western Australians, helped Nick there. So this 83... Is, this <laughs> yeah. is an asterisk next to this one. <laughs> uh, 83.46 for Nick there. Matt Smith was second, uh, 86.36, and Kurt Wesley was third in 88.51. Uh, in the women's, Miriam Dowie was first in 148.08. Emma Flitner, second, 154.37. And Georgia Nesbitt, third in 154.53. So that's pretty close there between second and third. Some good money and there too. 2K yeah. first prize, 1K for uh, second. Nico, yeah. I appreciate I'm going to – sorry about this, fellas. I missed the actual women's results at the NCAAs. Oh, did you go back? Tell I, us what it was. I jumped straight into oh, the, the actual women's. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Whitney Orton from BYU, she broke away at 5K, surged through to win ahead of – um, Mercy. So that same college had the men's and women's winner. Yeah, yeah. Does that happen? That'd be pretty rare over there, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, it probably would be pretty rare. There's a few big dog colleges that are strong in, in okay, this type yeah. of. Um, but yeah, so Whitney Orton was ahead of Mercy, Chalunga, and Shia Seely. It's Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a Gaelic. I think Gaelic sort of spelling. I Lucky. heard them. Heard them yeah. talk about it on the, uh, on the footage. Thanks. So, and Mercy, so Mercy, who finished second, she won the previous championship, which it's funny because of because of the pandemic, the 2020 NCA champs was actually held earlier this year. So it's the first, they said to that Connor Mance, it's the first time anybody's ever won two NCAA cross-country championships in the same year. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, so there's, good, a, bit, there's a bit of history friend. for you. If you're in form, you're in form. Chuck yeah, that one on Instagram. He was like an um, animal, that guy, though. Absolute animal. Yeah, and back to Hobart, they also have a, a shorter version of Point to Pinnacle called Point to Pub, and Ruby Smee's mum, Anna Smee, got the win in 44.57. Reese Harris won the men's race in 39.06. Who's got the bigger flex for the weekend, you reckon? Ruby? Oh. Well, Ruby in a win. Oh, yeah, you can't. Well, that's right. You can't. You can't do any better than a win, can you? I don't think so. We'll give it to Anna. Uh, world record overnight as well, fellas. Jacob Kipolimo, the Ugandan, talked about him a bit on the show. Dominated. Uh, well, he didn't dominate. He was prominent in the lead pack at the Olympics. 
world half marathon, things like that. He broke the world half marathon record one sec- by one second in an incredible 57.31 at the Lisbon half marathon overnight. Uh, he won the race by over two minutes. So a bit of footage I saw, not much of it. He was well ahead. Took down our Kibiwot Candies world record that he set last year. So um, that record didn't move by much, but it has moved, and we've got a new world half marathon record holder. Just yeah. Class, just go, every month it, the, the record goes, doesn't it? Women's Whether and men's. I don't think or... the women's will go for a while. I think the women's are safe now for a oh, while. Oh, yeah. Women's is tucked right up in bed. Yeah, but these <laughs> men's just are getting nudged and nudged. So yep. uh, good for him there. Listen to question, Crocs. All right. Uh, hey, guys, thanks for the years of entertainment. You've spoken a lot in the past about athletes having short marathon build-ups, choosing a race that is too close and being underdone for the race. On the other side of the spectrum, what tactics would you suggest to avoid hitting peak perform- uh, peak fitness a month before race day? Specifically, what helps you to identify that you're peaking too soon before the race? I'm building for a marathon block in April. However, I don't want to overdo the long sessions before I really have to. Thanks again, Georgia. Good question, Georgia. Mm. I like this. I, I guess that this one, t- to me, comes down to structuring a program. Mm. Uh, so if you're structuring a program, then you, w- with the marathon, I think most, like, you just don't want to be doing really long, hard runs, pro- like at the eight to six weeks out, I don't think. I, I think that's something that you want to progress to and only have a couple of them, maybe like a month out. I, I see people hit marathon training and automatically go into these crazy, big, heavy stuff. And and it's not that they really peak too quick, but it's that they they burn out too quick quickly. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. There's, exactly. There's nowhere to go. Like progress to a degree. Like you, we can't get we can't get crazy fit in like two weeks, three weeks, a month. But you can. You can extend the workouts you're doing, not so much by pace, just but by um, by the time that you spend in that kind of zone. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't go, to, I wouldn't start a marathon block and and say, all right, I'm going to do 30k at at 4:30s, and then in two weeks later, I'm going to do it at 4:10s, and two weeks later, I'm going to do it at at four at at four minutes a k. I I, I would go. Okay, I'm going to run 28k at 4:30s, and then 30k at 4:30s, and then 34k at 4:30s. That's kind of how I would try to do it without peaking too early. Mentally, I think as well, you can fry yourself if you got to get yourself up for these things a long way out for the race. It can really like just drain you. I think like some of these workouts are hard and long, and you don't want to be doing that two or three months out from the race. Anything mm. else, Crooks? No, I think we've covered it. I think it as what Moose said, like the programming. So like if you're you know, if the marathon's April and you're doing marathon workouts now, like you you will peak too early. Um and like I remember before Lake Biwa, because I came off the back of like Berlin, you know, I I sort of trained for Berlin, got injured, and then I got back from overseas quite motivated and so I wanted to sort of just get into, you know, training like a marathoner and, you know, up in the lead up to Christmas, I was sort of still doing some like solid 5Ks at the end of um, end of long runs and it was, when was it, like probably early January, the marathon was in March, I actually took just a down, just a down week of jogging just because like I was probably ahead of where I like needed to be. So that's the only, like that that's where, 
you realize you're peaking too early if you start marathon training too early. So, but if you, if you don't start, if you start sort of eight, you know, those 10 weeks out, whatever, then you're less likely to peak too soon. Yeah. And you almost need a program at working backwards. Yeah. So if you got your date in April, go 12, 13 weeks back and make that the marathon specific block. And then, yeah, focus on a different phase of training. Yeah, and if your marathons, if your marathons in April, like use this period between now and the new year to, to try and improve like your efficiency, like mm-hmm. your speed, and then add layers onto that as the marathon gets closer. Yeah, better to be underdone than overdone. Thanks, Georgia, for the question. Uh, Moose on the loose, purchase of the week, rules of Strava. Maybe stay away from the Strava stuff this week. Cause there's a few triggered, a few people getting rattled. Yeah, people don't like this, do which want. is why I, I do like do. it. I won't tell you what to do. Which is why I do like it. I think this week will be I, – I don't like it when people don't break their workouts up into separate runs. Oh, yeah, so do I. <laughs> yeah, so, like, let's just put a rule out there. If you're going to do a workout, it has to be put up as a separate run to your warm-up and pull-down because – the like obviously you're putting stuff on Strava. You want people to see your workout. That's why you're doing it. You can keep a training diary without putting it on Strava. Strava is social media. So if you want to put up something to sort of get people's attention or to, to have people to like look at your stuff and get get a bit of um, I guess kudos or people want to chat about you or whatever. That's why we do it, right? That's why you put it up, Croaks. Well. Break it up so we can actually see the workout because I don't want to fucking decipher average paces and and go through and look at kilometers and each like Strava K slips. I want to see the workout as a separate as a separate post. That's what I want from now on. Can I add to that, Moose? Go. The pe- the people that do a work like have a separate um a separate file for the workout, but they. St- Stop, like that they only ever have it set up on like K splits, even if like the session is Oh mate. Turn like, the K splits off if you're not doing some, Ks. Or or they stop or they stop the watch and all you ever see is, you know, they've run like super fast for a K, but then you look at their elapsed time and so it doesn't give you a true indication of the session either. And then yeah. the people that don't yeah. pay for Strava, you can't click and look at their lips their laps. You oh, I that. think you can now. I reckon you that's You can on the desktop, but you can't on the phone. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And they're like, yeah. if you're just on your phone at work, just in trying to enjoy, enjoy a sausage roll at lunch or something, you just want to know what someone's splits are, and then you can't see them, it's like, come on, just put them in, put your watch settings on properly, or pay for Strava. I tell you what, I remember early days, I reckon I did a moose on the loose maybe about someone having K-splits beeping the whole time when you're out on a long run. I reckon Would I ran been... with you once. It was one of those years after Steigen, and there was a big group, and someone had their K splits on, and like a K in when it beeped, you just like turned to him and just said, "Like you got to be kidding, we're not doing this for the next two hours, are we?" Yeah, maybe I you. did. Maybe it wasn't a public moose on the loose, but I definitely had had a thing about like, why the fuck do you need to know what your K split was? How is that relevant at all? I have that on my. I have that on my watch. Yeah. My watch. My watch beeps every K. Does it really? On a, on a, on just easy runs, yeah. You know what? That's is the reason why you run too fast. Mm. Possibly because you're constantly getting this, like every for you, like three minutes fifty five <laughs> reminder. Oh, that was a good one. Oh yeah, adrenaline. Oh, I'm feeling good today. Whereas you don't need that shit. You know what's not good, Moose? When you've turned like like the other day when I had the miles, 
Oh, it wasn't the other day. Maybe it was the other day when I was, I don't know, I had like 1K or 2K splits or something on for a workout. And then when you do your recovery run the next day and you forgot to turn them off again, and then you get a K in, it starts beeping and you're like, oh, no, I've got to commit to this now. Like, And I've thought about yeah. to stop, delete it, but I'm like, nah, I want that extra K for my weekly mileage. What about, this is, also, this is a real problem. This is about as bad as you get when you fuck up Strava, <laughs> is when you have K splits on, but you do it like, but the, the person that you're running, the workout is like five minutes. mile reps. Yeah. Yeah, or five mm. minutes effort. And they've got K splits on and they're halfway through the rep, they're watching laps. So they have no idea what um, what time they're up to or what distance they're up to or what the pace was anymore. It resets their lap. And it makes you... it tricky as a coach as well when you're trying to look at their data. You're like, oh, okay, so God. for that first 1K, they average that, and then for the next 83 seconds, they average that. What I, was the actual average? Mate, I reckon I could teach Pia how to do that on the watch eight weeks <laughs> old. Why can't you fucking work it out? Yeah, but some people just don't want to do it. It's not that they can't work it out. They just I, don't, don't I don't I don't understand though how some people like do the session when all like I don't know whatever session is but all all the data you see is what they've run for each individual k like do they not take do they not take laps like I don't know there is I, a yeah, big I, difference between yeah I think when people a lot of people get their garments out or the coros or whatever out of the box a lot of people never touch the settings mm, whereas mm. I think in like sub elite elite running there's a lot more modifications that go on for the watch. A lot more like manual split stuff and yeah, change, t- turning that stuff off and changing your screens to see things you actually need to see and like probably dumbing it down a bit, getting rid of some of the information. But imagine though how much like, especially a session where you've got lots of laps, like having to constantly look down at your watch to work out when you have to run hard and when you have to run slow. Like it's so good having the watch just, you know, have a five second countdown you know, to when you start and when you finish. Plus yeah. it also plus it also takes the lap for you. That's handy. Anyway, ride in if you're not happy. Uh, what's coming up? Moose, how are we going with the singlets? We're getting close to race day, yeah? Actually, I have a date on the singlets. Okay, that's I have good. a collection have date. Have you figured out how to log in and sell them yet, though? Couldn't you not access oh, that Oh, yeah, store? I sorted that. Okay, I, good. I, we in Shopify had ourselves a, a morning. Oh, I love um, how he was like talking to us about as well, Craig. Like we were the ones who were going to solve that problem. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's that's your department. We do not know anything about that. If it's my department, I'm starting to put invoices in for it. I think because... you already do, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't, but I will be. You're already anyway, you're already overpaid. This we're going to be picking them up on uh, the sixth or the seventh of December. Now oh, this is very tight. That's a tight turnaround. That's the best I can do. So you can get them express posted. Wait, can you? Um, what's They're that, not. like a Wednesday? Yeah. Well, Moose will be at Albert Park. Oh, yeah. That's Saturday. Moose will be at Albert Park on Saturday afternoon, and you can collect them off him, and he might even sign an autograph for you. Moose will be at, at, at gate three of the MCG at <laughs> yeah. 5.30 a.m. on race morning. If you want Didn't, to pick up did we pay for an expo slot? Do we pay no five expo. grand for an expo no tent? Expo, so no, that's why. That's why we. That's why we have you at Albert Park. Gate two. We're just on. We're just set up on the bridge, so we don't have to pay the expo yeah, fees. Like those guys, um, man, when you used to go to the footy and they're selling like fake merch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so on the. I reckon we can get them to people because that's the Monday we express them. They'll be there by the Saturday. Anyway, what we'll do is we'll sell them early. We'll sell them on the weekend, so that on Monday when I get them, we just go bang, and. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. If Let's they're in the it. Express by Monday, we're laughing. Yeah, they'll, we'll they'll be fine. There. We'll be fine. And if not, well, you got your singlet for the next year anyway. Right. Yeah, it's still a good singlet. Uh, oh, and... yeah. So I should say, oh, well, I'll do it. I'll put up a post beforehand. Yeah. They fit, they fit small, these fucking things. They fit real small. They've always fitted small, though, haven't they? Yeah, but I reckon these yellow ones, I'm an extra large in the yellow ones. Even smaller. That is, that's a real ego kick. Like, to be an extra large in something. Poor. <laughs> Oh, Not good geez. when you're coming back from an injury. Got the dad bod, and all of a sudden Nike just really sink the boots in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking yeah. Melbourne Marathon, we do have a live stream with the Melbourne Marathon coming up on December 5th. So put that date in your diaries. A few more um, details next week, but we'll be doing a bit of a thing with a few uh, guests joining us and uh, a bit of race previews and all those kind of cool things to do a week out from the race. So chuck that in, and we'll let you know the time and a few more details next week. Do you know the time? No, I don't know the time. Do you? No. I just know the date. So when is it? What's the date of it? Yeah, you better put it in your calendar. You're on there, December 5th. Is that a Saturday? I think it's a Sunday. Sunday. Ooh, Sunday. Sunday, Arvo. Pretty nice one. A week out. Yeah, it should be good fun. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on our socials, their socials, and things like that as well. And I think we'll have uh, things like both Race Elite Fields, um, yeah, for the half and marathon, we'll be able to give all the updates there. I think the uh, elite athlete coordinator might be coming on and some uh, favourites for the race as well. So that'll be good to see what's happening there. Um, oh, Moose, talking about that, Ali Pashley on Road to Nowhere, dropping a bomb. She's out of the big race. Um, out of the marathon. Out of the marathon, yeah. going down to the half. It's good because I never wanted to run the marathon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Got what you wanted. She- uh, she just had a few had a few sick weeks, tonsillitis. Um, yeah, missed a few and, days, didn't she? Yeah. Can't win a marathon prep. Uh, it was always a tight turnaround. It was always real tight, especially like um, she was doing it because she needed a race to to train for. Because and and for me, I'm like fucking do Zadapec. Zadapec is the race to train for. Like imagine winning Zadapec. You haven't done that yet. That's that's a that's something you look at forever. Fastest oh, in the Zadapec. field. Fastest in Australia currently. Mm. Win the biggest well, 10K Al- in Australia. Actually, Eloise Wellings on her return is the fastest currently. Oh, what, in the last two years or something? No, but like the current, she's oh, still the, the athlete rankings. going. Sorry. going yeah. She's still like a, a yeah. live, um, she's active, yeah. current athlete. Still an elite athlete, yeah. She, she, she'll rock up to Zatapec and be the fastest in the field. Yeah, she said that. Sorry, I did get that wrong there. All right, so there's some there's some chat for you. Uh, Croaks, what are you doing between now and next week? Uh, hopefully heading to the coast. I was meant to go last oh, weekend, yeah. but um, the weather was, like, the forecast was crap. So we thought, what's the point of heading down the coast just to sit inside? So uh, hopefully the weather's a little bit better this weekend and we'll go to the coast. Good. Moose, what do you got coming up? Um, no, nah, not a lot this week. Just up to the Rattus. You know how it is. Yep, working. All working. Right, we're done. Might throw uh, 20 minutes of road to nowhere from last week. They've got Stewie coming up tomorrow on the show, actually, fellas. That'd be good to hear what Stewie's been up to. Um, so, yeah, might throw 20 minutes of their last week's episode there. See you next week. We'll do it all again. Thanks to Brooks for sponsoring the podcast. Let's go. See you, boys. See ya. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Brooks. You can feel confident wearing Brooks knowing they're running specialists with over 100 years experience in the footwear game. 
They test running insights and biomechanics with runners of every size, strength, and experience to develop premium running products so you can run further, faster, and happier. Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of season 3 of Road to Nowhere. I'm Nick Earl, the new Tassie M35 5k record holder. So, you know, pretty big deal around these parts. Please welcome my co-host, the guy just unzipped, <laughs> Joel Tobin. <laughs> How's it hanging, Joel? Oh, low. Yeah, I'm going great. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of that already. Uh, welcome to the Olympic marathon legend, uh, Ellie Pashley. How are you? Good, thanks, Nick. Are you offended that Joel just unzipped something? <laughs> so I am. No, because the, the camera's not on, so... Are yours? Oh, Joel, can you turn that off? <laughs> hell, I don't want to see that. All right, anyway. <laughs> oh, that's a fucking funny start to the podcast. Well, oh, yeah. Brady doesn't put the first 20 minutes up now, so that's fine. Yeah. yeah well, All right. that to the true fans. Well, the that's true. The yeah. true fans just heard me unzip. <laughs> you got to loosen up before a podcast, you know. Yeah, I know, I know yeah. but not it's that much. Right. Yeah, all right. Anyway, <laughs> Ellie, are you on Strava, Ellie? Actually, should I bother opening it or not? Nah, I'm off. You're still off. She's oh. full gone. Still off. Yeah, she's not full gone. She'll be back. Yeah, um, I thought I'd be back, but I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, really. Sinead, Sinead it's messing with people. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, yeah it's when you're trying to do a podcast about running, bloody hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't follow your week at all. I literally got Strava to see your training, and then it was like, oh, Joel's got Strava? All right, but, Ellie, that is actually true. You sent me a message saying, because of Ellie, I'm going to join Strava. And I was exactly. like, oh, that's nice. And then you've left. Unbelievable. You're my, um, you're my 27th favourite Victorian runner, Ellie. That's why I do it. 27th? <laughs> yeah, or oh, maybe 25. I forget. So I'm going to have a second, look. Second favourite netball player. <laughs> Uh, um, all right, let's talk about some running, Ellie. What have you been doing? Because nobody right. knows. Yeah. So on Tuesday, I went to the track in Geelong and I did uh, mile, six by 400 mile, I think. I'm just trying to find the... Uh, this is why you need Strava, Ellie. <laughs> well, it's on Strava. It's just all private. But, but I could have given you, actual... I could have been telling you what you did now. Yeah, <laughs> you could have. Can you, get, um, can you get Nick and I into the, like, can you let us in? Or when it's private, you can't, like, have nah, some people I've see it? I've actually thought, I've thought about that because I was going to try and let Julian in. Yeah. But then. Um, you could just block everyone except, like, three people. <laughs> yeah, you have to I be think that's it. You either make it public to everyone. You can't, you can either make it public to everyone, to your followers, or just you. You can't select people that can see it. Uh-huh. That would actually be a good function, though. Or it should be like a follow, or you can show people that you follow, and then you unfollow everyone except me and Julian. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what about all the people that I coach that I need to follow? Nah, nah. <laughs> they, they Tell them to, to put it on public. They can put theirs on public. Hang <laughs> <laughs> um, so on, again. What your session yeah, was. Yeah, so mile, lap jog, uh, six by 400. Lap 
jog mile. So uh, the first mile was 3.17 pace. Sorry, I got a really irritating question here, Ali. Do you yeah. actually do the extra nine minutes? Is that nine minutes, nine metres for the mile? Or do you start oh. on the line? No, no. Just oh, Sorry, 1,600 metres. Wow, well, there you go. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Can you not swear on this podcast, please, Joel? Um, sorry, you're right, just this once. <laughs> um, so 1,600 and then six 400s. Yep, the 400s were... What are the recoveries? So we did a lap jog after the 1600, and yep. then the 400s were 73s, and they varied a little between, yeah, 71 and 74. And then the last mile was the same pace again, so 370. So, I think the instruction was 320, but we just Was it a minute quicker. between the fours? Yeah, 60 seconds rest. Yeah. And My watch has done that weird it. thing again where it's auto-paused, but I'm pretty sure it was 60 seconds. Well, we can't see it anyway, so that's yeah. point, pointless information, <laughs> Ellie. Um. Yeah, then, then one more lap jog, then a mile. So that was, yeah, that was all right. Um, I started to feel better again after feeling pretty shitty in workouts last week. Uh, and I did that with Kieran, one of the guys. So the, everybody had all different sessions and people were there at different times. Some of the guys were doing tempos around – so we go to Deakin University and there's a road loop around the outside. So it's actually, it works quite well because, yeah, even if people have got like threshold or tempo sessions, we can all still meet, warm up together. There's a 4K gravel loop and then some of us can jump on the track and some can go out on the road. Um, that sounds so good, actually. Um, so that's Deakin, yeah, it's really Uni, nice. that's Deakin in, Uni track in Geelong, is it? Yeah, it's in Warren Ponds, which is like a suburb of Geelong that's kind of closest to the coast. So it's pretty good for uh like for me to come from Aries it's much closer than going into Landyfield which is in the middle of town yeah and like most of the guys live in Geelong anyway so it's not far for them and it's fresh freshly laid track is it yeah it's pretty new I reckon it got built or well it looks pretty swish do those it's um, been built since I moved down here so maybe like six or seven years ago do yeah, there's a basketball um, court, which... Does that annoy, um, does that annoys the crap yeah. out of me at Melbourne? <laughs> I was going to say, it's oh good in God. theory, but there's always basketballs flying across lane one at you when you're running past. There's yeah, also the amount soccer of times fields in the middle, so I've there's soccer balls too. I've absolutely booted, booted the ball away during uh, during a session, just like wellied it, like absolutely connected when I was yeah. doing like a K rep, and the guys were just moaning. I'm like, get the ball off the track. Because yeah. I get really annoyed when, like, something disturbs my session. I don't know. Yeah, like, it is a little bit. It, I think I'm so used to it now that it doesn't really bother me at Deacon. But, it, like, I think it people do find it a bit stressful because it happens every session pretty much. You get a soccer ball or a basketball. Um, seems to always go right at the wrong time when you're just about to go past too. Oh, but, yeah, it's so yeah. annoying. But they've put, because we complained, they've put like a quite a big like net up behind um, the ones at Melbourne. Oh, uh, did they? These yeah. ones, they look like they're just open completely. Yeah, they've actually got nets at either end of the soccer pitches. So if people are going for goal and they miss, there's nets there. It's just there's no nets on the side. Um, and sometimes the soccer benches will even be out sort of on lane one. Oh really? Playing a game or something? Yeah, that's only happened a couple of times. Um, what are going to be the worst? <clears throat> pardon me. What are you going to be the worst? For, yeah, that was horrible. Cut that, Brady. <laughs> um, what do you reckon? What are you going to be the worst sport to be played like on the infield? 
for danger, you know, a ball sport. I, mean, I was hockey, just thinking as you, I was just about to say, I reckon, imagine getting a hockey oh, a puck, to puck the on the, or the, <laughs> you know, that the inside of the ball of the ankle. I reckon oh, I, yeah. high school. I couldn't so, run for about three years, I reckon. We had some amateur hockey team. They were oh, all going so for, they bad. were, they were going for goal, like in their warm up or whatever. We were doing a training session at Melbourne Uni. And like suddenly there were all these balls absolutely flying across the track. And after the session, I went and had a word with them. And like, I was just like, look, guys, like, what the hell? You just think, just think what you're doing. And they were like, we're allowed to be here. We're allowed. And I was surrounded oh, by hockey Do you know who players. you would have been like? You would have been like, have you seen that, that viral video of that guy in New York, the really short dwarf looking guy with the, <laughs> talking about talking about the trumpet? And he, about, no. he's having a go at the <laughs> no. busker. Okay, there is definitely one listener who will know, and I'm going to send it to you guys after. It is the funniest video, and he's screaming at this busker saying that he's a – oh, anyway, that's what you would have been like. The thing is, I thought Lee Gadecki, who's six foot five, right, I thought he was behind me, backing is me he's up. six foot five? He's massive, and I, I turned around, and he short. had pussied out, and he was miles away, oh. and I was just me shouting at these, like, bloody big hockey <laughs> players. I was like, uh, all right, boys, uh. Yeah, if you could just do what you, you want. Know, go, go a bit easy. Uh, and if you hit me, don't worry about it. Okay, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> just just yeah, blow the neck, please, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, Ellie, good session. What was your last Thanks. mile, actually? Uh, it was at 3.17 pace as well, but I Again. accidentally, oh. <laughs> yeah, I stopped my watch. And oh, for God's sake. So, oh, yeah, this, I, this is actually why you're off Strava because <laughs> yeah. your son you've just gone really crap at your watch. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it was. Hang on, I've just got out of it. Um, oh, jeez, you're making a meal. Yeah, this. two. So two forty ones for two forty one for the first eight hundred. Ah, two, I thought that was a kid. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, you were flying. <laughs> you are flying. No, no. Get him in a race. <laughs> 2.38 for the next one. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was just like a fine session, nothing amazing. And then Friday I did uh, 4x2K. So uh, Julian came down to Aries and Jordan Karras, who's a guy that lives in Mogs Creek, we did this together on – the road near where I live, Bamber Road. I think this is actually – is this where you stayed, Joel, Bamber Road, when you came down here? Ah, is that the one – does it go from the beach? Does it, does it connect to Great Ocean Road? Yeah, yeah, it goes from the Great Ocean Road inland to the bush. And, and from the from inland, do you like, is it road and then it goes to gravel eventually and there's, like, horse yeah. stables and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, not that one. one. Not that one. No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, okay. <laughs> I knew you were that <laughs> Yeah, that was the one. Sorry. Anyway. Um, so basically it go, it's flat at the start and then it gradually climbs as you go out and then so it's downhill on the way back. So we just went out for two reps and then turned and ran back. Uh, so that was, yeah, not a bad session I'll just get my splits I think I went through 330 332 for the first one and then 329 and then we turned around and sort of ran downhill and that was 
So, yeah, that was okay again. It was, I think we had two and a half minutes jog in between each rep. And, yeah, Jules is back. This was his second session back. He did three reps. So he's getting oh, fit I again. You, I thought you were about to say Jules is back is fucked. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Jules is back and gone. Yeah. His back is gift. fucked as well. <laughs> Jules back and Jules back is fucked. <laughs> well, actually, it is. So he was meant to do – he'd done a similar thing on – Tuesday he did two by seven minutes and then he was actually meant to do two hundreds but his back was too sore so he didn't <laughs> he didn't want to do anything explosive so we changed it and he did three by seven minutes instead. oh god that bloody back what a nightmare yeah yeah he's an old boy um how old is he he is 30 uh, 36 maybe or 35 35 I think 35 he, bloody hell he's younger than me that's, that's two terrifying. Olympic, that's two Olympic cycles ahead of me. I just yeah. have, I have everything in Olympic. Well, that's cycles. irrelevant, Joel. <laughs> For the two of us, it is Ali yeah, a little bit. <laughs> two Olympic cycles, yeah. Does that, yeah? How do you work it out though now? Because this Olympic cycle is only three years. Uh, over to you, Nick. Well, <laughs> it's an, on average, it's four. So let's just go with four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yep. And then long run on Sunday, we just met at the chocolate factory near Anglesey. So we did a relatively flat long run. There were some hungover people in the group. Um, we had the engagement party of one of the guys in the group, Lockie and Millie. Were you hungover yourself? Saturday night. Oh, I wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah, Where? I was better than some of the others. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, so I ran 27 Ks. Is that nice. is that quite the chocolate factory loop? Is that flat or? It, it's pretty flat. We still climbed like well, it's actually nothing's no, it flat, flat your way, is it? Yeah, we really? still climbed over four hundred meters, but it was it yeah, it's deceiving. I think there's like a few rolling hills, and you're probably always going up or down, but it doesn't it doesn't feel as hilly as some of the trails we do. Yeah, but yeah, that's what, still actually not a flat run. I've just realised your um run strong long run is this weekend isn't it yep yeah oh no that's twice any... in a row that is so stupid i was just about to ask you because i'm in aries this oh, are you? camping oh, cool. and i was like perfect we can go for a long run together and you pissed off to geelong uh, yeah it's in geelong and it's shit it's like the river loop which oh, i mean it's shit. really good if you're doing a marathon session <laughs> But it's not nice if you're well, doing Well, tough you can't you can't make it because the big dog's coming out of Aries. <laughs> big dog. He'll like that. <laughs> I can run with you on Saturday. No, no, no. no. <laughs> That's what you did last time. You dogged me on do. Saturday. No, I, I'll, I might run with you a Saturday and then do shorter on Sunday or something. Saturday, I'm having a day off, but on every Saturday. But oh, is that your rest day? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Cool. Are you camping at the caravan park? Uh, no, like 10K is inland from the caravan park at the National Park. I forget what it's oh, called. Hammond yeah. Creek. Yeah, that's it. Is it oh, cool? cool? Yeah, we run around there a fair bit. Oh, wow. There you go. It's Not this weekend, no. <laughs> is it? Oh, shit. We actually did a loop around there two weeks ago. Yeah, ran straight past the campground. Awesome. Yeah, what it's cool. Day, it's what like day are you going, Just Joel? in the bush, sort of. There's not that much there, but it's. No, it's supposed to be yeah. real. Like, we just want to go. Ch- it's myself, Carla. My sister and her boyfriend, they booked it and um, 
yeah, I think they, they booked it for them and some friends and then the friends pulled out. So then they had to go, they had to scrape the bottom of the barrel and go, fuck, I think I can ask my brother. <laughs> Invite our siblings. Invite our siblings, I know. Oh, that'll be <laughs> fun though because you can come into Aries to Yeah, well, it's not, then... the weather's not going to be great. But um, yeah. Do you say you're going on Friday, Joel? Because uh, Joel night. messaged Joel yeah, DMs me in the week asking what, what weather app to use or whatever. I was like, Sat, it doesn't look too bad. It could definitely be worse. Bad. Yeah, exactly. Sunday looks a bit miserable, actually. Yeah, well, we're going to leave Sunday morning anyway, so. Well, yeah, but you'll but be all right. If any listener, do you, are there listeners from Aries that have to do a long run Sunday? Because I would love uh, to have some company somewhere around there. <laughs> There's not that many runners down here. Surely we get like 30. And they're all going to be I with can, I'll send you a loop from the campground if you want. Imagine getting a me- imagine getting a message from like someone real desperate from Melbourne being like, oh, Joel, drive up and meet you for the run. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, think, you could either run around yeah, there or you could come into town and run on the, um, like around the, you could do a loop around the cliff tracks and then some of the other trails. Yeah. But there's heaps of places time. to run. Yeah. When you dogged me, then. Well. <laughs> we have a load of British listeners by the sound of like uh, the Patreons. Um, yeah, so do. I just want to tell them that they're talking about Aries Inlet, which is where the Round the Twist uh, lighthouse ah. was. Yeah. Um, it's big in and the that's, UK. And it was huge in the UK. Oh, and how good is that soundtrack? That is honestly, <laughs> well, the star. Of, like the well, star, in, that music. Like the yeah. main song. The main song, sorry, the main Have theme. you ever? Yeah. <laughs> I've felt like this. Yeah, that's things. like whenever we have friends. <laughs> I can't believe yeah, you both just sang on the podcast. <laughs> I wasn't going to sing because I was like, oh, they won't. And you both did. What the fuck? Well, you know how that was us. like such a big show in you our t- childhood? It was huge. Like, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, it was huge. huge in my childhood. The day after when they were doing the pissing competition, when they were at the ur- urinal <laughs> and they were pissing up the wall, and then Bronson made it go over the the wall. Oh. Do you remember that episode? Because yeah, so. the next day at school, everyone was seeing how high they could piss on. Me. <laughs> Have you watched it recently? It's actually kind of weird. I was. I haven't I was seen it say, for about twenty years. Yeah. I have memories of it being really like eerie. Like yeah. they had these weird. I remember the the, the mushrooms episode, the pasta Which eating competition or something. There was some eating competition, and it was all scary, and they had food all dribbling down their face. It was, there were yeah. And stuff. I remember there was a mushrooms episode where like these massive mushrooms grew and they exploded, and this yellow shit yeah. just went over everyone. That was yeah, I remember, I remember that. Covered in it, it was just like freaked me out. But it was a great Nick's, show. All it. Nick's memories is with Bronson. He was my favorite. I thought he was hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Yeah, whenever we have friends come and stay, they're always like, want to go to see the lighthouse. And embarrassingly, I actually didn't know that. I did not know. Oh, really? I knew that it was filmed somewhere along that coast. Like, if you said Warnable, I would have been like, yeah, that's right. You know, it was somewhere. (laughs) I knew it was down there, but I didn't. Of course, it's the only big lighthouse, isn't it? Yeah. There's yeah, a lot well, of land name... for sale beside the lighthouse for $9 million. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hell. It's ridiculous. Hell. Is it nice? Like a really nice block uh, of land? Well, yeah, well. Like it, well, it's up on the cliff overlooking the water, sort of, but it doesn't actually have as much of a view as, as some of think. the other ones. In yeah. yeah, but it's like right below the lighthouse pretty much. So it's, it is quite cool, but I don't know if it's $9 million cool. Imagine if <laughs> only like in in the running scene in Australia, only Nick Badeau could afford that, I reckon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Um, all right, what was the mileage for the week, Ellie? 
it was 139. Nice. And how many weeks till Melbourne now? Uh, <laughs> I actually withdrew from Melbourne the other day. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Yeah, because... Oh. You're going to do yeah. the half or the 10 or whatever? Yeah, I'll probably do the half. Yeah, it, okay. I was just like, I was pushing to try and get marathon fit and... I've done the, I did this before when I went to London and I just, I had a shocker. I strained my calf. I was so sore after the race that I couldn't run for ages. And I just, it, you, yeah, you can't half ass a marathon builder. Exactly. I was yeah. thinking that when you were, when you were talking about this, like, unless you do yeah. it like it's for fun, like I did, like in 2019, I did a load of marathons, you know, but I want, they weren't big ones. And I felt that you were kind of putting yourself out there a bit too much for this one. Yeah. So like, I think, yeah, it was going to be a short block anyway. And then I think when you're doing a short block like that, you can't miss weeks of yeah. long runs because it just, like, it's, you're, it you're has then to trying to play perfectly. catch up. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And I just uh, wasn't, yeah, getting it. And I, my um, hammy tendon's still a little bit niggly, so I haven't been able to do any, like, big 30-plus K long runs. And I just, I'm not. I don't want to go into a marathon feeling underdone. So I'd rather just take the pressure off now, just keep training and then do one next year. What about if you're, they put the start list out and like the fastest woman is like two hours 40 or something. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it's not like. No, yeah, not sure. for the money at all. $20,000. You just. <laughs> Nick, maybe, maybe you to... should buy this house on the on next to the lighthouse. Julian always tells me no picking races for money. Exactly, that's a smart decision. Twenty thousand dollars. Think that's two episodes of Road to Nowhere. Yeah, but what if she got injured? And had that's that a lot of uh, physio work. I wouldn't have to do. <laughs> exactly. She that's could just physio true. herself, Joel. That's fine. <laughs> I um well no, good yeah, decision, thanks, Ellie, for, to be thanks for letting me know because I've been like running way more than I should for this pacing job. You know, I've just been I've been putting been you putting told me the last week you weren't allowed to do it. Job. Yeah, no, I'm just talking shit. I just wanted you to feel bad. Yeah, I'll have to tell Kev about it. I don't know if he's been told yet. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> oh, really? He wouldn't have needed to train for the pacing job anyway, so I'm sure no. he's too worried. But yeah, um, who cares? Honestly, I thought it was. I thought you were a bit of a loser for wanting to do Melbourne anyway. Like, you've just come off Olympics, for God's sake. Like, just yeah. chill out. Just I chill think out it would have been really years. fun, though. Chill like, out. Melbourne, home, marathon. Home? Like a t- well, 90 minutes away. Get out yeah, of here. you know what I mean. Home, <laughs> safe. 